0: Hello, and welcome to Python Bytes, where we deliver Python news and headlines directly to earbuds. This is episode 352 recorded September 12th, 2023. I'm Michael Kennedy. And I'm Brian Akin. And this episode is sponsored by us, supported by us, support the podcast by choosing our courses, uh, listening to our podcasts, including the new one by Brian, Python People. And the Patreon supporters, and find us on fostadon.org. Brian, me, and the show. The links in the show notes. And also, uh, the show notes have how to attend the live session if you want. Yes. Brian, what do you got to start our day here?
1: I I feel like it's, it's the start of school. So I think uh, I feel like a helicopter parent.
0: <laughs> That's right. You got your homework done. Was anyone mean to you? Can I help you out, sweetie?
1: <laughs> so, um, this uh, the first topic is called heliclockter. Um and it is it is a like apparently that's a pun on helicopter parenting, maybe I don't know um so at, like helicopter, but clock, get it kind of a helicopter mm-hmm. um so this was submitted by Peter Nielsen, I think he was involved in this, but uh the idea is um is it's like a, it's like date times, but they're a little bit better so Apparently, one of the frustrations that uh, this group had was um, with date normal date times, and they looked into other things. Is having being able to just have a date time where you can just enter like the time, but have it be like aware of what time zone it's it's in. So it's um the 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 big thing about this is is a subclass of date time with uh, with some extra features. So you've got a date time tz, which is a, a time zone aware. Uh, date time and then you've got a local one which ensures that the time zone is local time and then a utc so there are some other other uh solutions out there that deal with you just assume utc plus zero um but that's often not convenient and i guess one of the things they had was they wanted to be able to have date time items as objects and then be able to sort them but have them keep like maintain what time zone they were created in and stuff mm-hmm. um which is kind of an interesting thing uh, so they they've got um uh it, they, it looks just like working with time zones so it looks pretty pretty easy to work with if you've ever worked with time zones they do have some other cool features like um uh statically type checkable and uh pydantic integration which is kind of neat um uh, anyway the they've got a also an article about um why they created it um time flies when you're having zones nice um <laughs> So uh, it's a, a pretty interesting discussion going through why they why they chose the solution they did of creating their own and uh, and everything and being able being able to use it with MyPy also is kind of cool. So. Yeah. yeah. Of
0: neat time zone. So shout again. out to Arrow and Pendulum as well, or some of the other well-known ones. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Um, even a daytime UTC, they found, but it uh, it's UTC zero. And then they even talked about why that, like how they designed it and why. So they their first thing was just create a completely new type, but um, but then they you know came up with some problems with that. So they came up with subclassing. So then they're, they're, these new types are types of date time also so you can use other things to go with them so I think that's a cool solution I'm not usually a fan of subclassing but I think the
0: subclassing in this case
1: makes a lot of sense
0: anyway um, what you got for us that looks looks good you know I think it sounds so easy to be working with time (laughs) but it's always so tricky (laughs) yeah I have something keeping with the same color scheme here a, a new release for wagtail and I don't believe we've talked about wagtail before it's, it's possible. I, uh, I did get a chance to use our search today, you know, and just reminded how nicely that goes. I guess we talked at least mentioned it somewhere, but wagtail is, uh, a CNS, the CMS, the leading open source Python CMS built on Django, but you don't necessarily have to know Django. It's kind of like WordPress in the sense that you could just go through the setup steps and run WordPress and not even worry about the fact it's written in PHP. So wagtail is a little bit like that, but just pip install wagtail to go get going. And it's got some really cool features. I haven't really explored it too much, but it's got this really cool visual designer for people to build out web pages and stuff. Isn't that cool? So you can like hit a little plus and you get like a nice WYSIWYG. I'm going to insert a heading or insert a table or, um, like a image gallery with these images. Uh, has a cool tree structure so you can uh, organize your content. And because it's Django, you can extend it doing Django things, which is uh, pretty sweet. And it has a bunch of, you can make little snippets that you can use inside your pages. So that's pretty neat. And it even has a library for managing your images. So pretty cool stuff. And the news item today is an article by uh, Megan Voss. Come over to the dark side with Wagtail 5. So Wagtail 5.0 is a, a new release here with with a bunch of cool things. So dark mode, if you want your website, which is backed by Wagtail to have dark mode, well, dark mode is a thing. It's pretty excellent. I'm a big fan of dark mode. It has SVG image support in addition for scalable vector graphics, in addition to just JPEGs and stuff. It has an accessibility and enhanced accessibility checker. That's pretty cool. Like if you're creating content and it's hard for people who have to use screen readers or something, it can tell you that you're not Doing that, like uh, missing paragraphs as headings, uh, misusing paragraphs as headings, use proper tags, incorrect heading hierarchy, avoid skipping levels. Oh, wow. And, you know, things like that, right? Which yeah. certainly my my handwritten stuff that's only, you know, if I remember that that's how it's supposed to go, right? So pretty sweet. What's wrong with five um, H1s on one page? <laughs> no, I know. I really, I really have a lot to say here. So it's all H1s. Um, it also has, what is the... When you, if you want to delete, like, say you have an image or something and it's in your gallery and you're like, ah, I'm not going to use this after all. Hit delete. It keeps track of if it's used in any other pages. So you don't accidentally delete something that's being used in some part of the site you didn't know about that someone else created. That's pretty awesome. Uh, more snippets, more validation. And they threw away a bunch of old code so they can work better, which, you know, may even have a blog post on addressing uh technical debt, but So a few breaking changes, not too many, but yeah, check it out. Anyway, Wagtail looks pretty awesome, right? I think I may have talked about it a long time ago, but anyway, uh, not the 5.0 release because that's uh, quite recent.
1: Yeah, I think it's it's pretty cool that that's there. And I do have plans to play with it at some point, but I've had plans to play with it for
0: a while. So (laughs) anyway. Indeed. Uh, Kim out in the audience says, I know several one-person technical businesses that really like Wagtail for their sites easy to use for technical competent users, but doesn't require much of their time to maintain. Yeah, that seems great. Yeah, nice.
1: Over to you. Well, I, I, I guess I go away from Python a little bit, but we use it all the time. So uh, I want to talk about Git. So um, I I I don't think I use any other revision control systems anymore other than Git.
0: No CVS? Uh, no. No WinCVS, no none of that good stuff?
1: Um, uh, Perforce, Subversion. Uh actually I, I touch on subversion once in a while but uh, I still
0: have kind of good feelings towards subversion the other ones make me a little
1: <laughs> queasy <laughs> anyway the thing that um I often want to know is just like the stuff that happened recently on a on a file or something or uh, just on a git repository RCS Mike Felder oh field fieldler sorry um nice uh, RCS <laughs> wow uh takes me back but um so git one of the things is the git log. So looking at what's happened recently, but the 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 git log output is not something I like to do. It, I, actually, using git log is one of the reasons why I often uh, pop up um, like a, a visual uh, tool to look at my git repository because it's gross. But I forgot. I and I know I knew that you could customize it, but I kind of forgot how to. Um, so I haven't been. But this now i i have because of this article so there's an article called uh, get log customization from justin joyce and so the default is something like that w- which we're showing it's got a really long hash number and a bunch of information but uh it's hard to find the information you need one of the things that uh that justin points out is that you can do just something really easy by do passing in one line they just the flag the done, like two dashes and one line all one word will um make it pretty pretty nice actually it just uh, uh does a short hash and you can kind of see what's going on a little bit better but it goes a lot further and i'm going to hop down to this really cool customization one of the things is uh you uh using graph um graph is great dash dash graph so that you can see kind of uh it does like kind of a visual representation of the different. Uh, uh,
0: um, what are those? The, 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 mer- the branches and the merges. Branches, them.
1: That's it. I always yeah. forget branches a branch or fork.
0: <laughs> oh, no, it's it, an ASCII art for the win there.
1: Yeah. Uh, ASCII art, but then you can do like color and stuff. So, um, there's, there's in it, the graph does color. Also, if you have that on your, on everything, but it talks about how, um, it also talks about how the one line is actually a, uh, like a combination of pretty one line and abbreviate commit, which is kind of cool. Um, and then goes. What I really love is this the thing that he like comes up with at the end. So the I didn't know that you could put aliases in the git config file. So, or at least I did once and I forgot about it. But this is a pretty cool long alias. He's got lg instead of log. Uh, so save a character of typing right there. Uh, but it it defaults to so it's a alias for log with a graph with ten. So default to the last ten commits. And then this long format thing that is kind of ugly to look at, but what you get is he talks about what it all is, but what you get is um, uh, the brand, the graph, but you also get uh, somebody's name highlighted of who did it. And then also how long ago. So was it 19 hours ago or 24 hours ago or two days, three days? Uh, Really cool. uh, Exactly
0: what I need usually when I'm looking at a Git log. So. I love it. This actually inspires me to maybe play with this as well. And uh, I usually uh, use source tree and I really like source tree but you know, sometimes you're already in the terminal and just, you know. Yeah, and so all I did it what
1: I did is I just like opened up my home directory, git config and added this alias and now I just use git lg. That's um mm-hmm. and then I can forget all of this. The other one of the neat things I'm like, well if it says by default you can put the default whatever you want for this alias, but like 10 lines what if I want to see like twenty lines or thirty lines? Well, if you say get LG, even though it has the dash ten built into it, and pass in a like a dash twenty or dash thirty, the, the second one overrides it. Um so mm, it
0: works, that's clever. It works just fine. So nice. So so thank you, Justin Joyce, for writing this yeah, up. Yeah. Nice job, Justin. That's pretty awesome. All right. I saw that David Lord was the one listed there in the example. Yeah. Let's keep let's keep going with that theme. Okay. So over to historically from the flask side of things. So I want to talk about flask. I want to talk about Jinja. So Jinja is the templating language that is the default for so many frameworks. It's not best, I don't think. Come on, chameleon, so much better. But (laughs) it doesn't matter if everyone's using Jinja, like that's what people are using, right? Uh, It's built into all the frameworks. You got to jump through hoops to like use chameleon with, a fast api right like i created a library to do that kind of stuff but this is about jinja and its origins come from flask originally created by armin Ronacher. no longer the maintainer david lord and folks over at pallets is but this new project i want to give a shout out to does come from armin and it's called mini jinja mm. like jinja but smaller <laughs> so mini jinja is a powerful but minimal dependency template engine rust that's compatible with jinja and jinja 2 so if you got a rust project and you want to have those templates you could use this and you'd be like okay michael well uh python podcast so yeah rust is popular but uh it's comparable if you got a python app it, it's a, a basically not 100 identical but pretty uh, similar right the other thing though that's kind of interesting is it does works with python through a project called mini jinja dash pi And that allows you to use the Rust runtime-backed template engine on whatever thing it is that you're working with, Mm. right? Flask, FastAPI, whatever, right? So you might want to use this. Instead, when the full set of Jinja 2 features is not required and you want to have the same experience across Python or Rust, there's places where you can get a slightly better performance sometimes than Jinja. It was created using maturing and Py03. Pretty cool, like the the Rust Python uh, bindings. And yeah, it just shows you how to set up and whatnot. So if you're out there doing the web things, you know, maybe have a quick look at Mini Ginja if somehow that's relevant to you. Continuing the rustification of Python. <laughs> Indeed. You know it's been around for a long time, over thirty years. So surely some rust is starting to develop. But <laughs> I wouldn't have expected to come on so quickly all at once like that. But there you go. Uh, yeah, nice um that's it for all of our items i would say okay and uh i've got some extras but i know you do too so maybe you go first okay well i was
1: uh <laughs> up we were just talking at the beginning of this uh uh before we went on air that i was having some audio trouble last night but i was uh getting the pi test primary power course ready and and launched last night so chapter six got done recording that yesterday morning and in the evening finished editing the audio so uh the first course in a series, uh, PyTest Primary Power, and to sell. so what does it cover? It covers uh, test functions, fixtures, built-in fixtures, parameterization markers, and it's really the set of things I think that you have to know to be able to be using PyTest effectively. You could just take this first course and I think run with it for quite a long time. So to celebrate getting it done and back to school, I know everybody's uh, with kids, their kids are probably started last week or the week before
0: um it might sound like it's for school but now the kids are out of the house you actually have time and energy (laughs) to study things again that's my house anyway
1: yeah yeah so um i'm offering a, a deal for it so 49 bucks for the the first course and if you want to do the bundle uh 99 and the bundle's kind of fun because i've already had some we've got a lot of channels to get feedback I had some feedback this last night and this morning saying, "Hey, I'm trying this on Python 3.8 and it's um uh it doesn't work. So, but it does now. So this morning I um uh did the it was like the from future import annotations I had to do to to make the uh, annotations from 3.10 be compatible to Python bat way back to Python 3.7. So I tested it on 3.7 this morning. So everything should be working. So anyway.
0: Pretty excited about excellent. that! Excellent, yeah! And,
1: congratulations, uh, that's a big step. If you see something like this, you're in the right place. So, thanks. Yep.
0: <laughs> How about you? <laughs> it has the testing code logo. Enroll in the course for forty nine bucks. Awesome. Ah, uh, keeping with the course theme a little bit, I have three new courses coming out at Talk Python Training. Uh, we have a new HTMX plus Django course, which is going to be excellent. Mm-hmm. a new language-based course without more detail on that and uh, one or two data science courses coming in quite soon. And since it's a bunch of bunch of things, all of them not quite uh, released yet, uh, just point people at uh, training.talkbython.fm slash get notified. And there, if you're not already in the mailing list, put your name and email in here and uh, you'll get to hear about them. when, Or keep listening to the podcast. I'm sure I'll talk about it then as well. I also just want to give a shout out to Cloudflare turnstile I've been going through and classifying trucks, cars, crosswalks, <laughs> um, stoplights. Holy moly, what a dreadful, <laughs> unnecessary thing. So way back in 304 on, you know, October, 2022, I talked about turnstile, which is a privacy friendly, uh, pri- a user-friendly privacy preserving alternative to Recaptcha and all those things. And it just sits down here. And while we we're waiting, you know how, like sometimes if you are slow filling out a form, it'll say your, um, selection of taxis has expired and you got to do it again. <laughs> <laughs> this one automatically, I saw it while we was waiting for you to, uh, talk, talk about your new course and bundle that thing just did a little flicker and regenerated its validation with no user input, just in the background. I'm telling you, come on. So, so how does it know you're not a robot, Do you know? It runs some JavaScript and it also, I think, uh, you know, I don't remember all the details, it it runs through a bunch of other heuristics that like, they know from, I think from your IP address Hmm. talking to, cause you know, Cloudflare like fronts something like 25% of the internet. So they can tell if you're going to a bunch of different sites and things. And it kind of uses that background information. I think, Hmm. Think. but anyway, I I have not even had to find a taxi to be able to submit that.
1: But it's, uh, it's made it so that you
0: don't have a bunch of automated stuff coming in. Exactly. People used to be hammering on it, doing all sorts of bad stuff. Yeah. That's not good. <laughs> yep. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I had to add it for like the login page um, and for the, the registration page. A bunch of bots were signing up. I'm like, I don't understand why they're signing up because it's a free account and you don't really get anything for free. So I couldn't understand why they are all, but hundreds of them were signing up. I'm like, okay. I gotta do something and then uh this is a, an improvement <laughs> over recaptcha all right pybay Pi pybay Pi is coming up october 8th i will be there speaking about python type hints and how you can superpower your apps something like five amazing ways and tools you can use with your apps i believe is what my topic is roughly supposed to be but i will be there and uh people can they happen to be in the san francisco area or area or wanting to be there you can check it out. They gave me a coupon, it's a friend of speaker. If you use that friend of speaker, no spaces, you get 20% off regular tickets. So that's always cool. fun. Nice. Yeah. yeah, always a fun trip a road trip down to San Francisco. And let's see, following up on your doc strings, we got some really nice follow-up here, Brian. Rhett Turnbull says, uh, with regard to the doc strings article, Brian covered uh last episode, the Google format allows for a raises section remember I said oh it'd be awesome if you could say actually what errors could happen. Yeah that's really cool. And Rhett uses Google Doc string format for projects, type hints, descriptive variable names, mkdocs and mkdocs strings get pretty docs are free and VS Code will pull doc strings so you can see them in the editor and copilot practically writes the doc strings for you which is excellent. And uh, one second attribution John Hagen sent over something saying pretty similar. Say, remember we said, look, you don't necessarily need to include the type in the doc string. If there's a type hint, and sure enough, you don't have to. Oh, cool. You can just give it a description, which is cool. And also points out the syntax for how you use the raises. So you say raises and you give it a list of exception types and then the description of when the, the scenarios when that might happen. So for example, raises invalid factorial error if n is less than zero is the time that that happens. Oh, cool. Isn't that cool? Yeah. Yeah. And finally, John also points out that High Charm has the integration for Google uh, Doc Strings somewhere in here. Yeah. Uh, for Google Doc format and how to set that up. So it'll it'll automatically auto-complete and render Google Doc Strings when you say, give me the quick help, control Q, and it'll like just pop that up as a rendered sort of thing there. So a lot of follow-up on the Doc Strings. Awesome. Cool. Yeah and that's all i got for my extras How about a joke what do you think yeah you ready
1: i've got your joke and then i want to do a dad joke also after that awesome so,
0: so this one is a lesson in optimization <laughs> careful what you measure careful what you ask for right so there's this picture of two tennis ball <laughs> containers you know those tubes that are vacuum sealed yeah one of them is not at all optimized it stores only three tennis balls <laughs> but the one to the right says look if you cut the tennis balls in half you can st- you can store six tennis balls in this container way more efficient use
1: <laughs> yeah
0: yeah i mean your tennis game might suck but <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome yeah yeah so there you have it yeah okay so over, over to you to close it out
1: uh, i've got a joke that i just I was reminded of the other day with um uh added, shared with my kid it's told dad joke so um have you seen <laughs> birds fly in a v formation before sure um d- have you ever noticed that sometimes that one side is a lot longer than the other or it's longer than the other? Yeah. Do you know why mm-hmm. that is? There's more they birds on it. didn't optimize that, right? the... <laughs> <laughs>
0: Amazing. Anyway. Uh, it's terrible. I but... love it. I love it. So perfect dad joke. All right. Well, perfect episode as well. Thanks for being here. Thank you. And thanks everyone for listening. Yeah. Bye. See you all later.